Looking for a local spot to make swag for your brand, podcast, or anything in between? Eastside Pin Co. has experience making enamel pins, badges, keychains, medals, and patches. Have an idea of what you want? Chris can help bring your idea to life. You can find them online at eastsidepinco.com. That's E-A-S-T-S-I-D-E-P-I-N-C-O.com. And you can send all inquiries to chris at eastsidepinco.com. Mention this ad to take 10% off your order. Eastside Pinco. Hit them up. Tunes Tunes Podcast. I'm your host, Harold. As always, you can follow us on social media. That's Tunes Tunes Podcast, T U N E S slash T O O N S. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts. We've got a very special episode today. Mr. Shane told in the house. What's going on, Shane? Hey, man. What's up, Harold? How are you doing? Good, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for uh, taking the time to chat with us. Yeah, no problem at all. It's uh it's nice to do these things in the evening. I usually uh, do them like in the morning or in the afternoon. So now I feel like like most of my days behind me, you know, I could just kind of relax a little bit. I got some tea that my girlfriend made me and uh, just hanging out. Right on, man. And you're, we were just talking about this earlier, you're kind of like on the other end of uh, where you usually are of these, aren't you? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's the thing, right? I just did um, episode 200 of my show, Lead Singer Syndrome, and... Uh, yeah, it's crazy, man. I I've, I guess I've done 200 interviews uh, at least, and I don't know if I've been interviewed 200 times in my life. Maybe I have, but <laughs> I've definitely not been on 200 podcasts. So I'd say probably for every every 20 I, I interview someone else, I get interviewed myself. So, you know, it's nice, man. I can kind of just like sit back and, and I don't have to yeah. be looking at notes or like worrying about the flow of the conversation like like that's on you <laughs> so uh so it's easy it's easy for me yeah I was just, I'm gonna just gonna try not to drop the ball the whole time here <laughs> <laughs> you'll be all right uh, but yeah man um yeah let's I mean that's the perfect jumping off point lead singer syndrome can you talk about like the idea kind of how that com- came together and how you decided to start that show yeah well well like I've been into podcasting like podcasts as a listener you know since like 2007 I think when when they kind of you know, came out and they were something you could load onto your iPod. And I've always been a fan of them. Uh, and there was a few that I really liked, um, you know, back in the day. One one being my friend Ray's podcast, 100 Words or Less. And he, he talked to other um, people within the independent music community. And I found I was listening to that, his show and another, you know, talking interview style podcasts uh, more in the car than I was even listening to music. Um, you know, for whatever reason. And I just thought that was cool. And, and then I think a couple of years later, I had an idea. Well, actually, I did an interview uh, for a magazine where I interviewed um, Buddy from Census Fail and Buddy from Census Fail interviewed me. And it was just like for a one page or two page like spread in some print magazine. But I thought it was really cool because he asked me questions that were kind of unique and that I could relate to and I thought I did the same with him and afterwards we both came away from the experience and I thought it might be cool to start a YouTube channel 
where I do that. So like a filmed, you know, YouTube thing where I'm talking to other lead singers. And I thought lead singer syndrome was a really funny, like kind of tongue in cheek name. Uh, so I was like, going to do it as a YouTube channel. And then it wasn't like I was pretty much like, ready to go down that road when I realized, like, I don't know anything about camera gear. Like, I know about recording because I'm a musician, but I don't know about camera gear. I don't know how to, like, edit video really. Um, you know, and then somebody was like, why don't you do a podcast, man? And I was like, well, I love podcasts. I listen to podcasts all the time, and I never thought to use that, you know, with my idea. So it kind of just came that marriage between, you know, my idea of lead singer syndrome and interviewing other lead singers and my love for podcasts uh, kind of just fell into place. And yeah, here I am, man, 200 episodes, four years later, still going strong, stronger than ever. Yeah. I'd say that's awesome, dude. And it's just funny whenever you kind of have that aha realization of, of like, oh man, why didn't I think of this right away? You know, I had a similar yeah, yeah. revelation. Um, Cause the, the whole premise of my show is, you know, talking to people about animation and music. And then it's like, you know, I'm like 30 episodes in and I'm like, oh man, why am I not talking to like composers for cartoons? Right. And so then I started oh, sure. like having people on that did like, you know, that scored different cartoons that, you know, were these things that stuck out to me when I was growing up. And it's like, oh, I get to talk to the people that, you know, kind of helped make the soundtrack for that, which is oh cool. But it was God. just like, like you think of you think yeah. of all the iconic, you know, uh, shows like that. Like the one that comes to mind right away for me is like Family Guy. I mean, that's like the oh, ultimate yeah. <laughs> like, you know. Seth MacFarlane, like I, he's almost like more of a musician than a animator in some ways with how important, yeah. you know, or, or the guys from South Park. I mean, those guys like are incredible, um, you know, with what they do with, with music and, and their songs and, and how important that is, you know, and, and those, those cartoon elements for sure, man. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just funny. Like you don't think like you're, I guess you're so close to the year. You're just like, why did I not just think of that? I'm an idiot. So that's, funny. yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's very it's that shit happens in life all the time, man. Yeah, dude. Uh, so you talked about Buddy a little bit, and um, if I'm not mistaken, you had him back on, like you had him on Lead Singer Syndrome, right? Yeah, I've had him on. on yeah, that's yeah, what I thought. I thought because I yeah looking through the episodes, and I it, it was like one of those things of like that I randomly found that you were doing this podcast. I didn't listen to it from the beginning. I'd only recently found that you're doing. It. I was right. like, man, this is awesome. So I was kind of doing that that uh that buffet line thing of like, oh shit, he <laughs> talked to. Stephen Christian from Anne Berlin, like I love Anne Berlin, like oh man, let me jump around and like see what Dan Marsala from Story of the Year, holy shit, like this is awesome. Um, but yeah, yeah man, what, what what were some you know that's one of the things I wanted to ask. What what were some maybe early on that you got that you're like oh man, these are gonna be awesome gets and they ended up being really good interviews. Like, is there any that yeah, stick out to you? Yeah, you know, like, like I'd say, man, to be honest, I think out of the 200 episodes I've done, I can't really think of like any duds. You know, um, right. Like they're for the most part, they've been really cool. Like with people that I know really well, like like I can have a great rapport with like, you know, friends and stuff like that, that I, you know, people that are like, you know, that I actually hang out with. Um, and then there's other people that I maybe I don't know at all uh, and people whose music I'm not very familiar with. Like I only found out about it um, when I, you know, booked the podcast um, the publicist said, Hey, would you, would you talk to this person? And I was like, Oh, I don't really know their music, but I'll check it out. And then there's like other people that are I'm huge fans of, you know? So from all different sides, I think, um, it's possible to have really good conversations that turn into really, really great, um, uh, 
entertainment for people, you know, and, and just turn into really great content. And I, I don't think that it has to be the same, you know, uh, approach with uh, every guest. In fact, I think you you can't take the same approach with every guests uh, with every guest. I mean, because if you do, um, it, it, no two people are the same, so it it doesn't work. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool, man. That, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You're like, especially if you have kind of like a rapport with them already, you're like, oh, okay, I know that they would want to talk about this, or like, I definitely know they have stories about this. And so I'm totally. always like, I'm always surprised about the things that come out where I'm like, man, this is so cool that they've never talked about this before. And we're hearing about it for the first time because you do the show. I'm like, this is awesome. Right, right, right. Yeah, like it, it's different thing, right? Like you get when it's somebody, you know, they're more comfortable right off the bat. You know, like you can kind of jump in a little bit earlier with certain like things and, and the way that you can the way you can talk to somebody. Um, but then uh, the the goal I always find with a guest that I don't know very well, uh, like my, my episode 200 was with was with William Duval of Alice in Chains. And, um, you know, I don't know him. He's, he's you know, 52 years old and we're not from the right. same. We're not right. cut from the same cloth, like in any way, shape or form. But by the end of that, you know, we were we were like right there with each other. And, and that was that was cool, you know, uh, to kind of once once, you know, you kind of like break down that wall with somebody. Um, and that's that's, you know, when you when you get the really great stuff out of them, you know, and, and the really, really interesting uh, stories and such. Yeah, man, you're like building building the rapport like in real time. So it's just like you can see the progression. And I've, I've noticed like so many, you know, podcasts like that where you can maybe tell that these people haven't talked before they're they're ta they're talking for the first time and yeah. by the end of the episode it's like has progressed and it's like you can obviously tell these people have gotten comfortable with the, with each other like through the uh over the course of the episode and you're like oh man this like started as a this ended as a very different episode as it started as and i love that kind of stuff oh yeah absolutely man absolutely um what are, what are some, uh, you know, some people maybe that you would love to have on one day? Like someone that you would like, oh, man, if I got to talk to them, this would be awesome. Uh, John Lennon, Freddie Mercury, oh, yeah. Kurt Cobain. <laughs> um, no, man, I, yeah. I don't know, man. It's always a hard, uh, hard thing to answer. You know, I'm a fan of so many different types of music. Um, like some, some of the ones that I've done that have been really special – like uh, Fat Mike from No Effects, it's like you know one of my favorite bands ever, and a huge, hugely uh, important band to me when I was getting into punk rock and stuff. And uh, another one I had on uh, Dennis from Refused, you know, and and like some of those, some of those guys, like they just they've been so important, you know, to me, and and you know, but uh, man, like you know, somebody like Rivers Cuomo from Weezer, like that would be an absolutely crazy. A guest because like that's a guy like I've listened to Weezer for oh geez like <laughs> I mean maybe not 30 years but getting there right 25 years right yeah <laughs> and and I've read interviews with with him and I've you know seen the band so many times and I have no idea what he would be like to do a podcast with you know oh, and man. those like yeah to me to me that that him him as a guest would be really I think challenging but probably like a really great experience, uh, one way or the other. <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah, that's 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 crazy that you actually say that. I was just talking to someone about that today. I asked you that because a friend at work asked me that today. He was like, "Who would be like the a big person 
that you sure. would love to have on. And, you know, the first one I always say is Caleb Followell from Kings of Leon. It's my favorite band of all time. But yeah, I was like, um, man, Rivers Cuomo loves anime and he's in Weezer. I'm like, this is perfect. Yeah. And so it's just funny. It's like, <laughs> and it's a big Epitaph band, too. So I'm like, you know, I love Epitaph. A uh, lot of bands on that label that I really liked. And so yeah. I was just like, that would be too funny um, if I could get him on there. And I thought they'd back about the exact same thing as you. Like, I have no idea what we would talk about, but it would be amazing. <laughs> I, I agree, man. Um, well, man, we were talked a little bit earlier about, uh, you know, Silverstein and, and, and the band a little bit. And does it feel like it's been as long as it's been? Because you're coming up on your 20-year 20, 20 anniversary tour, man. That's got to be crazy. Yeah, the number really, like, when you see it written down, like, I was just, uh, you know, looking through some emails and the graphics you know posted with the number 20 all over the place so when you see that number it's like damn man 20 like i don't really feel old, even older than 20 <laughs> like i i don't know right, it's, yeah it's weird when, to think that all that stuff happened 20 years ago but also when you think back to when we started the band it was such a different time in the world the way that people like listen to music and everything was consumed and like the internet was very primitive you know and like in like 1999 when we were like you know using message boards to communicate with with you know people and that's how paul found us on a message board um our drummer and, you know those kinds of things and, and like band websites not every band had a website that was rare um and there was no social media so you know like it's it's when i think about that it feels like forever ago, but then at right. the same time, like someone will talk about some show we played, you know, and I'll remember every moment of it, like almost almost down to what I was wearing. Um, wow. I'm really like I have a really great memory for stuff that happened a long time ago. And I'll think about it. I'll be like, yeah, that was like uh, what would that have been 2003. And I'm like damn that's like 16 and a half years ago right you know like like <laughs> th on that then so it's crazy right like i can so so to answer your question like some stuff feels so long ago um and then other stuff feels like i just remember feels like yesterday and sometimes yeah, like, man sometimes how was that the same not time. just the other day <laughs> yeah and sometimes it's like at the same time because i'll go back and see a picture or something like we've we've been going through and you know kind of leading up to this um this tour we're doing for our 20 year anniversary next year we were posting some old photos on instagram um and going through them and looking through like the old archives of all the photos it's like the shit we used to wear <laughs> and you know like the haircuts and and just how damn skinny we all were it was like it's like damn it's like it does feel like forever ago when it, when i look <laughs> at it even if i can remember it super well yeah, I'd seen a similar thing with, uh, I know you've talked to Aaron from uh, Under Oath a few times, but they had posted a thing where it was like them from years and years ago. And it's just like, man, if I don't want to kick my own ass for what <laughs> I look like, like what the hell was I thinking with that hair, man? <laughs> yeah, well, they man, those guys had changed so much. Like we did our first tour with, with them. Uh, like we, the first time we ever went overseas, we went to England and – under oath with under oath and and it was their first time overseas too so we landed there we were sharing a bus and like those guys were so like you know they're a bit younger than we are 
we were young anyway, but they're even younger than us. And they're like raised in like Aaron was raised like I think he's homeschooled. So like, you know, strict Christian upbringing and like they'd never been outside like, you know, so, like they'd been obviously they toured America at that point, but like so sheltered and it was really, really fun and really crazy to see those guys like, you know, get out of their element so much. Um, right. I mean, it was crazy for us, too. Uh, but but like them, especially like I bet when they look back, um, like they, they must really, really like not not like, you know, just kind of shake their head and go, wow. You know, that's, <laughs> and that's what we that's what we do, you. too. That's what we all do. Um, yeah, that brings up a funny, like a point that I was thinking about earlier that I wanted to ask you about was, um, I remember, you know, being, I think I was 14, maybe 15. I don't remember the exact age, but you know, I grew up in the church too. Uh, and you know, not so much now, but at the time it was like such a big part of my life. And so my mm. dad took me to Mardell and was like, Hey man, like, why don't you grab a couple CDs that you want? Um, and we'll, you know, I'll buy them for you. Like it was just like a special treat or whatever. Right. And so I was like, sure, man. So I went in and I grabbed Slayer. Son, I loved you at uh, <laughs> Mardell. Yeah. Son, I loved you at my, at your darkest by as cities burn. Okay. And, uh, the chariots, uh, fiance. And I remember listening to it in the car and he had just never heard, you know, any kind of like hardcore post hardcore, like right. he just, that was not part of his world. And so I just remember it so vividly, like, you know, popping in that the chariot CD, you know, it's like the Norma Jean, essentially this, the late Josh, the lead singer from Norma Jean yeah. started the chariot and, um, you know, listening to a couple tracks and he let him play. He didn't say anything. He didn't like turn it <laughs> off. <laughs> it but doesn't get much more abrasive than the chariot, yeah. though, man. Like that's I know that's yeah, that's like in your face as it gets like that's raw. <laughs> Um, and he's uh he he just tells me um you know it's like in between songs and he just kind of looks at me and he's like man you know i haven't ter- i haven't heard him talk about jesus once because we got the cds <laughs> of Marta and it just like blew my mind like that is so funny like at the time i don't think about it but thinking back to it now i'm like man he had no idea about this music and so i wondered you know is that was that any kind of any experience that you had like w- uh when you're you know, started playing the music that you played where your parents like kind of like, what is this? <laughs> well, yeah, my, my parents really they didn't really get the screaming, um, you know, like like I got into playing music. Uh, well, my dad, my dad plays guitar. So there were always like acoustic guitars kicking around the house and, you know, he would play like, you know, he play like, I don't know. Beatles songs and like stuff like that. You know, he played piano and guitar and he just kind of play and sing in the house but I, I like music, but it wasn't like something that I thought about like that I wanted to do or anything. And I wasn't really interested in, in guitar until my older sister played Metallica for me. And uh, when I heard that song one for me and justice for all, oh, right on. I was like, I want to do that. Like, what is that sound? <laughs> like, what is that machine gun? Like, what is that fast, you know, thing? Is that like, sorry, my TV just, there we go. Uh, and, and, um, and I was like, is that guitar? Is that drums? What is that? And she's like, I don't know. I think it's guitar. Uh, so I, I said to my dad, hey, I, I want to I want a guitar. And he's like, oh, we got guitars. I'm like, no, no, no I want like a real guitar. <laughs> so uh, so I, we went out and I we went to a Sears outlet store and I got this electric guitar for twenty five dollars. It wow. was written. It was a profile. It was like kind of a Stratocaster looking guitar. 
it was supposed to be $250, but they like marked the price wrong and wrote $25 in Sharpie on the back. And uh, I got it for $25, my first guitar. Started taking guitar lessons. Uh, you know, and I, I got into like, you know, all that stuff like Metallica and, and Black Sabbath and like like Led Zeppelin. I kind of went went to back to the old stuff a little bit. Um, and then I remember I found punk rock, you know, and my parents were always very supportive. Like I was always I always wanted like a new thing for like every birthday or Christmas. Like if maybe I wanted like a new guitar pedal or an amp or something like, you know, it was really all I wanted to do was 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 play music. And I remember when I got into the punk rock stuff, um, my my parents, my dad always said, oh, it sounds like it's out of time. Like the fast drum, you know, the fast oh, like, yeah. punk drumming. He's like, it's, it's <laughs> out of time. It's out of time. And uh, he's like, they, they can't sing and it's out of time. And I was like, I was like, I don't know. I like it. And um, they, but but it wasn't until like I think I kind of was into like in Silverstein and we were screaming that my parents really like were like, what are you doing? You're going to wreck your voice. <laughs> You know, with the screaming and, you know, 20 years later, I haven't wrecked my voice yet. But, uh, uh, yeah, they, they they weren't really on board with the screaming. And I think even to this day, they're a little bit like I'll play them like I always try to play them the new stuff. Like whenever we have a new record, I'll go over there and play it. And they're always like they always have like a lot of opinions on what the mix should sound like, which I think is funny. Uh, Your dad's but, still uh, like, it's out of time. It's out of time. Yeah, but they <laughs> but they. uh but they don't um they don't care for the screaming no, absolutely but you know it's funny also to add uh Paul Mark who you know he's he's been in the band since 2012 he told me that the first band with screaming he ever heard was Silverstein whoa really uh like yeah it was was our first album which he he got and um yeah so i think that was that's kind of a crazy uh kind of a crazy thing yeah, man, that's wild for sure. Like you're just like, I don't know. It's just always interesting to hear people's, you know, the intro. Like, wh what was the band that got you into it, type of thing. Um, yeah, I was actually yeah. gonna ask you about that because I remember discovering the Waterfront came out 2005. Is that correct? Yep. And so it was on Victory Records, and I remember at that time it was like nothing on Victory could miss with me. And so uh, I was gonna ask you about some of the bands that maybe are on, that were on Victory, and maybe if you had any kind of uh, interaction with them. Yeah, um, because like I remember bands like Hawthorne Heights, you know, Amber Pacific, uh, the audition, yeah. stuff like that, man. Like um, what were some of your experiences with like Victory Records and some of those bands? Well, Amber Pacific was on Hopeless, actually. But um, oh, were they? Yeah. But but I mean, what ha well, Victory is a really crazy whole crazy thing, like how that even happened. You know, I listened to Victory, all those Victory bands when I was in high school. uh the bands that I liked on Victory were all hardcore bands, you know, um, Hatebreed, uh, Snapcase, Earth Crisis, you know, and they had a few like, you know, bands that were kind of like, like more like punk bands or, or like they even had, you know, Catch-22, Ska Band, but like for the most part, they were known for like straight edge hardcore. Strife was another band I really liked. So then uh, I remember they put out that record by Thursday. Uh, the Full Collapse album. And uh, Thursday was getting really popular. Um, and, you know, all, all my kind of in the scene and my friends were all into them and everything. And that was at the same time when Silverstein was, was like just kind of, you know, coming up to the point where it was like, okay, we'll send some demos out. So we sent the demos out to like every label, you know, like like uh, Hopeless Records. I'm sure we sent one to them and 
and Equal Vision and uh, uh, Drive Through Records and all those ones. We sent them all out. We didn't expect much. And Victory hit us back right away. And um, we ended up signing to them. But I was excited about all the bands that were on the label before that, um, you know, like I just mentioned, all those bands. And I didn't really know much about, like, Taking Back Sunday um, or Atreyu uh, or who else was on the label at the time, like Student Rick or Catch, um, uh, Count the Stars. Those were the bands at the time that were starting to get really popular. But I just knew Victory as the, the kind of old hardcore label. So uh, we signed at the same time Spittlefield signed. And I remember our first uh, like CD sampler was like a, you know, a, two songs from us and two songs from Spittlefield. And, you know, we became friends with them because of that. And then afterwards, we toured with Bayside. And then we actually kind of got them signed uh, or, or put in kind of a good word for them to get signed to Victory. Um, but the stuff happening with Taking Back Sunday getting so popular and Thursday and Atreyu as well, like those bands were so popular, but they didn't really want to help us out because pretty much all those bands were having major issues with Victory at the time. Um, yeah. And I'm sure, as you've heard, like Victory's was known for for being a bit difficult to work with. Uh, we had yes. our experiences, <laughs> and and um, you know Hawthorne Heights, who also signed after us, they they were but signed about with maybe a year after we did. Um, you know, they, we became great friends with them, uh, but they they also had like a you know rough time. So it wasn't that that you know Taking Back Sunday didn't like us or Thursday didn't like us. It was that they didn't really want to do victory any favors. <laughs> and, right. you know, we, we took out victory bands a lot, like Hawthorne Heights. We brought them on their first tour ever, but we also kind of were strong-armed into it. So um, it was a weird time because so many of the victory records um, bands were friends, and we did do stuff together, but a lot of it was like, I don't know, a lot of it was like either forced or like rebelled against just because nobody wanted to help out help out the label really with how much everyone felt like they were, you know, maybe getting a bit screwed over. Right. Yeah. They're all sorry. They have a long answer. Shit. Nah, man, it's, <laughs> it means it's what it is. But yeah. Yeah, you, yeah. It's like the thing that, you know, maybe we don't know about like the general public, like, yeah, well, I mean, I try to behind the scenes. I try to <laughs> give people something, you know, they can't read, read about in the, in the right. papers. <laughs> no, nah, for sure, man. And it's funny. Like I, I do love like Hawthorne Heights and, and, they were just here with Newfound Glory, actually, at the, oh, the yeah, yeah. theater that I record in. And so, um, but I'd actually caught their 15-year uh, anniversary for Silence in Black and White. Yeah. Um, they played at a real small venue here called, uh, the well, it's called 89th Street Collective. Now it's formerly known as the Conservatory. But, uh, man, that was crazy. To It's like an, another one of those moments where it's like, God damn, I thought that album just came out like two years ago. Like, what? Oh, 15 yeah. 15 years. Like, that's no, crazy. No. I mean, I, I remember that those guys like it's funny, you know, like the first time I ever met them, uh, we, we were playing a show in Toledo, Ohio. And this would have been, I guess, in like 2003, maybe. Uh, it must be 2003. And Casey, um, rest in peace. And Matt, Matt, who's still in the band, they uh, they came out to, to our show and they said to us, um, you know, we're on victory now. Like we just signed. And we were like, oh, crazy. And we never heard of them. And they gave us this CD of, like, their demos. And it had, wow. like, it had a bunch <laughs> of the songs that were on Silence of Black and White, but they were all, like, primitive 
demos right. and, and like they were pretty bad so so we got the <laughs> cd we got the cd of these songs and we were like what this band i don't know i don't know about this band and then then victory w- really wanted them on our tour with that we did in 2004 like our f- kind of first ever headliner and we said like i don't know and th- he's like they'll do it for free and we're like um like i don't know well how are they gonna like get many he's like get you know how are they gonna gonna do it for free and he's like don't worry about it they'll do it for free so we put them on and uh you know this is like their first tour and and uh i mean jt is always a great singer i'll give him that uh but like it was it was rough at first i remember <laughs> and and their record came out and i'll be honest i hadn't heard it because i i'd only heard like the one song um because you know i'd heard the demos and i, I they were so rough they were so rough that i never really listened to the record and the day their album came out, uh, we were in Nashville, the Franklin Mills Mall, I think it is, the big, big-ass mall they have there, and they were, you know, excited because we had a day off, their record was coming out, so they went to the mall to try to buy it. So they went to Best Buy, and they didn't have any, and they went to FYE, and they didn't have any, and they went to Sam Goody, and they didn't have any, and the guys were, like, all bummed out, and I kind of said, yeah, like, you know, you're a new band and like, you know, maybe the distribution isn't that good or whatever. Well, I was wrong. The reason that the source didn't have any is because they sold out immediately. And oh my God. Hawthorne Heights had the biggest first week of any debut victory uh, artist ever. And that Holy includes shit. taking back Sunday and Thursday and, and Atreyu and all that. So they, so they, they set the record for, for debut album. And uh, I was like, wow. So I went and I like, you know, I was like, I, I got to hear this record, man, that that like, you know, because at, at the time I'd only know the guy. I'd only know the band for like a week, you know, and um, uh, and I was like, OK, I get it now. I get what's going on, like why this why this is resonating with people. And uh, yeah, like a million records later or whatever they sold, um, you know, it's the rest is history, I guess. That's insane, man. That's just funny to think about. <laughs> You're trying to gas them up, like, no, man. But, you know, the distribution, maybe, maybe the shipment's not in. Like, well, yeah, we had that is wild. We had problems with our first record. I remember it came out in Canada, and uh, and you know it was coming out, and I went to the store to try to get it, you know, or see if it was there at least, and um, I, I couldn't find it. So I asked someone at the store, and they looked it up in the computer, and they're like, oh, actually, yeah, that comes out next week. I was like, what? They're like, yeah, it comes out next week. And I told, like, I called the label and they were like, what What are you talking about? I was like, well, they told, they told me it comes out next week. They're like, no, it, comes, it should be out. It's in the stores. And they were right. It wasn't out for a week. So, you know. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. It was a bit of a blunder. But, you know, of course, that's our first record. And we're talking about just Canada and, you know. But we did definitely Silverstein our first week of our first album we didn't have a huge week or anything i think we only sold like 400 copies which at the time was not not very good hey man that's 400 so. that would have been proud of them 400 first first well, 400 like, 400 yeah. now 400 now practically gets you a billboard spot man but like at the time that was not, not very good right <laughs> oh man well we talked a little bit about the 20 year anniversary tour but um yeah man let's get into that a little bit more like um you know i I looked on the website today you're going overseas a couple dates like uh, in different countries and everything like that man you got to be pretty excited about that 
yeah, you know, uh, the rest of the world's been been really good to us. You know, I think like we're a Canadian band first and foremost, right? So we've always kind of understood that you know there is a lot going on outside of the U.S. You know, and there are fans that are really passionate about music uh, all over the globe. So, um, you know, being from Canada it was always like a bummer when when like a band would would do a tour. And they wouldn't come to Canada, and I'd have to, like, go to Buffalo to see them or something like that. You know, or I just wouldn't get a chance to see them. So we've always tried to make an effort to go to all the nooks and crannies of this earth, you know, to 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 be there for our fans. And I think that the support they've given us, especially in places like Germany and Australia, has been really incredible. So to do uh, an anniversary tour that's so important, like this one, 20 years uh, to only do like a U.S. Canada run or or whatever would be really, uh, not what's the word? It wouldn't be right, you know. So so it'd we, be an injustice. Exactly. So it was really important to us to play, um, you know, a bunch of shows in Germany and and we're doing this festival in Australia. That's they're actually getting the first little taste of uh, the twenty year and twenty year tour in January at the Unify Festival. Uh, yeah, and then we're playing the U.K. and and hopefully as the year goes by. We're working at some other places we can go, um, you know, because this this year's really cool. Like we're gonna have a new new album out. Uh, there's gonna be a new album out, coming out, um, you know, in the early part of 2020. Um, but we're also gonna be celebrating the past, so it's kind of cool to be able to do those things uh, simultaneously. Oh, right on, man. Um, I wonder is there is there a a place that you've gone on tour? That maybe surprised you with how like the reception was that you were like, oh man, these guys are like awesome. Yeah, it happens all the time. Um, you know, I think any anytime you go to a place where people don't get a lot of shows and they're a little bit starved for it or or just hungry, uh, you you tend to have a really good experience and a really good good time. And I remember uh, we we played this show. We went down to South America. So about 10 years ago, we went to South America for the first time and we were playing in Peru and we went, we got dropped off. We, we ended up at the airport. This, this van came to pick us up and we got in and the driver didn't really speak English and it was really sketchy. And like, I don't know if you've ever been to Peru, but it's, it isn't <laughs> like a, it isn't like a pretty country um, in the city. Like it's. It's a, it's a beautiful country. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, Montepichu and all, oh, they have incredible things there. But if you're in Lima, Peru, like, like driving around the streets, it doesn't look great. So we're right. driving around, like, and, you know, there's always bad traffic in, in, you know, these countries. But, like, it was really, it was really, like, we're just going around in circles. So after a while, we're like, yo, I'm seeing the same stuff. Like, what's going on? We were so scared, like we were gonna get, you know, we were like gonna get some, like kidnapped or or our shit stolen because it was like feeling really sketchy, you know. So finally, yeah. like we're like we are we are like take us to the venue right now, and they're like, oh yeah, no, we're going. It's just we're no like no 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 take us to the venue like right now seriously. So they take us to the venue. We'd been in the we'd been in the the van for like like probably like two hours, just going Jeez. in circles. Like we don't know what's going on. So they take us there. And the reason that they didn't take us there is because there's 4,000 people outside the gates of the venue, like, waiting for us to get there. 
Oh my god. So we're like, this is crazy. And there's riot police, like like with shields Holy and shit. shit. And yeah, and we didn't know that because no one could tell us this. So that so they were delaying our arrival, uh, so they could like prepare for that, I guess. So we Holy get there shit. and um and I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, this we're like, this is so crazy, like so cool. We're in Peru of all places, like we don't even have records out in Peru. Like, how do people know about us? So uh, uh, the promoter who speaks English walks up to the bus. He's like, oh, so glad you guys are here. Okay, so we're going to go in the venue. Um, just like, like, just come in really, really fast. Like, 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 don't dawdle. Like, don't, you know, don't say hi to the fans or anything. Like, just come right, right, right inside. So the guys all go in. And if you know me, I'm like, yeah, whatever. So I'm waving to the fans and I'm shaking hands. And like, I feel like I'm in the fucking Beatles. Like it's <laughs> like like girls are crying and they're screaming and so then all of a sudden my arm like I'm I'm shaking hands and my arm gets grabbed and I get pulled and I'm all of a sudden like they take me and I'm oh getting like God. pulled into this crowd and I'm like oh fuck like I'm like I have no I'm like I can't like I can't move like I'm at their will like like I don't know they could they could tear me apart that's when the riot police starts coming in with clubs and beating kids off of me. Oh my god! And pull they pulled me out of there, and I and I went into the venue, and I felt so bad that I broke the rules, oh, and like some kids gosh. got like hit with batons and shit. So yeah, so that was right. like so that was pretty gnarly. But I will say the like the the Peru show was crazy. There was I think there was they told us there was twenty six hundred people inside. And another twenty six hundred people outside the gate that couldn't get in or or couldn't afford to get in Man. the venue, um, listening listening from outside the gates because, so yeah, it was wild. That is insane, dude. Man, that I mean that has to be like a big, I, that would be such a big moment, is to be especially in a country that doesn't speak the language that your album is in. You're oh like, yeah. What the hell? Oh like, yeah. The the, that's that constantly surprises me. Like, you know, when you, when you see people, uh, singing every word, you know, um, but I'll tell you, man, English is in the last, like, since we started going to these places, like the level of English has gotten so much higher. Like people, I feel like everyone speaks English at such a high level now. Like it's, it's really, really easy right. to communicate with people and, I don't know if it's because of the internet or like or what it is, but uh, yeah, it's, it's it's like great. And I always feel so dumb that I'm a, only know one language. Like I, I wish I could yeah. speak something else, you know. But but it's crazy how these days like just it's so easy to get by, like almost everywhere in the world. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, man, that is wild. <laughs> That's so crazy. Thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah, man. Well, for you know, we're, we've been talking about the 20 year anniversary and like the tour and everything. Well, talking about the new album, I kind of wondered what the difference, you know, how did it feel different, um, you know, recording, you know, where you are now versus maybe putting out that first album. Can you talk about right. the process of maybe how it, it it's gotten easier? Maybe it's uh, different, um, just yeah, kind of like the general like studio. It's definitely different. I think like, you know, when we started, when we made our first album, uh, we didn't know anything about about making an album we, you know, we didn't know anything about recording or w the music industry or like anything man like in fact I don't even know if any of us had actually ever recorded a full-length album before 
Um, I'd kind of done some stuff with my old punk band, but like that was all kind of like you go in and you record like a few songs and then they end up all being kind of put together on a, on a, a CD or whatever. Um, so, so yeah, just the, the experience you gain every time you do an album, you know, and how the process works and, you know, putting everything together, it's, it's, uh, you know, you just get better and better at it, but I will say like our new album, you know, we were able to do, we would be able to do it like <laughs> a lot faster if we wanted to and probably with better results. But now like we spend so much time on things we didn't spend time on before. Um, like before it was like, okay, we'd write a song and okay, that's the song. Let's record it. Now we write a song and then we agonize over every little note and every hit of every drum fill and, you know, every harmony that I, that is, is sung and, you know, every note of the melody. And before it was like, okay, well just get in there and do your thing, get in there and do your thing. Get in, okay. It's done. You know? So it, it really just gets like crazier and crazier with, with the amount of just the, the microscope that you put over the music now that at the time you didn't because it just was, was what it was. And, you know, it was going to take 50 takes to get it right, you know, because we weren't very good. And now we're better. Right. Um, and it t ends up taking the same amount of time because we were just we're agonizing over all these changes. But but uh, I'm really happy with this new record. I mean, nobody's heard anything from it yet. We just finished it like a week ago. Um, but I'm really excited about it. It's there's some different stuff on there, some stuff we haven't tried before, uh, which is exciting. No, that's cool, man. Yeah, and it's definitely it sounds like it's one of those things of like, you know, you get to the point where you guys are really getting into the minutia of it, like, like you were saying, the specific fills and harmonies and everything that you maybe didn't even think about. You know, putting out that first album, you're just like worried about just getting the shit recorded at all. Like, well, so yeah, like it, it is interesting it, it, to hear. <laughs> totally, like it's so funny with harmonies. Like when we were doing our first album, I. I was kind of the only one that knew how to figure him out, <laughs> like how to do a harmony o over a vocal. So right. I knew, I kind of knew the, the trick, like, cause I know a little bit about music theory. So I was like, okay, I can harmonize like this in thirds or fourths. Like, so I would do that. And, you know, now we're in the studio and like our producer, Sam has an idea for a harmony. And then Paul Mark has an idea for a harmony. And then I have an idea for a harmony so like we have three options um, that are all going to be okay, and now it's like picking the preference of which one, and it's like it's just crazy. Like something like that, I never would have thought on the first album. It's like okay, there's a harmony, good. Like oh, I can't figure out a harmony for this part. Well, we just won't do one. Um, you know, now it's like we have three <laughs> options minimum, plus like different other you know combinations of them. So it it really is. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, funny, you know, just, just how, how things change, you know, and, and your yeah, level man, of progresses. expertise and stuff like, yeah, just, just changes. I, uh, I do remember, I always wonder about things like that because I've heard of so many bands of with like, you know, the members don't know, really know any music theory. Um, something, oh, yeah. something comes to mind as so I was watching under, uh, an under oath video recently. I can't remember exactly what it was. It was like, how did the most asked about riffs or something. And right. um, I, I forget the guitarist name, and I'm going to kick myself. I can't remember Tim? right now. But 
He, it or might James? have been Tim, but he's just like he. Uh, he's like I don't know any of the theory. I just play it. Right. And I'm like, oh man, like that's crazy. And he said that. Um, one one thing that he said that stuck out to me was he was just like he would play something, and then um, a kid would come up that would like that's like well versed in music theory, and he'd be like, oh, like the you know you play these amazing, um, you know minor thirds all the time, and that's just so inspiring to me. Yeah, and he had to go to like his the guitar tech, and like he's like, do I do that? <laughs> nah, no, it's it's funny. Yeah, like like with um. <laughs> yeah, like I, I always kn- knew theory and I took guitar lessons and stuff when I was a kid and my teacher was really like, like I really learned the basics, you know, and I learned like I know every what every note on the guitar is and I know like I just learned all that stuff. Um, but yeah, it's amazing how many people like I say, okay, like, yeah, then we're going to go to like if we go to an A here, how people like will be like, some people will be like, well, what fret, you know, like they don't know where the A is on the guitar. <laughs> they just know like. They just know that what number frets sound good together or whatever, you know. So, um, yeah. yeah, even even yeah, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus for not knowing theory. Not, <laughs> it, not that it matters that much because there are way more talented people than me and way more successful people than me that don't really know any theory. And that just goes to show that like you're it really all comes down to your ear and. Um, you know, your ear is everything. And uh, somebody like Tim has written some, like, from Under Oath, like, he's an incredible songwriter. And, like, just through knowing what works and knowing what com- sound combinations of sounds works, he's able to make, like, some incredible music, some some music that I could never, never hope to write. So, Right, yeah, that's what – I think he actually went on to say that later in the video, like, at the end. He said, you know, I always think about learning theory, but I think that it would put I, – I, it would end up putting me in a box that I don't want to be in because right. – yeah, he doesn't I, know the rules, you know. Yeah, what I, mean? I think I think like I think I don't I don't really agree with that. I think like you, I don't really agree with that. I think I think that there's definitely um, a lot of things that you do that you don't know that you do, um, but but that doesn't mean that you couldn't do them if you knew. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, for example, uh, I was doing some drywalling. Uh, this week, and you know, I like drywalling on inside corner isn't easy, you know. Um, and I like kind of know what to do. Like, you know, you put the mud on and you put the tape on, and you you know you 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 know you do what you do with the with the <laughs> the taping knife, like right, like. But I don't really right know like my specific techniques, right? So I was like, okay, well, you know, what? I'm gonna watch a YouTube video on this. And I'm gonna figure out like what do the what do the pros that do drywalling do, and like a lot of the stuff they do, um, I do t- I do too. I didn't didn't know that that's why I did it. I just did it because it worked. But oh, I also okay. yeah, picked up. Sense. But I also picked up a couple other tips along the way. Now that I know like what it, it is, you know. So I, I always think learning learning theory and learning like the the uh, you know the the whole reasoning behind why things are the way they are only serves as a building block you know to something even greater so um that's my take but yeah he's just uh, he didn't want to learn theory so he's like yeah it would it wouldn't help me (laughs) no i mean i i I don't think so uh, but i do i do think like i mean i'm sure like there is there is certain rules that that like in in anything like that that it's like oh you can't do that and it's like what do you mean you can't i can you know, right. it's just like, but but you don't do that, right? Like that's, 
I think that that's uh, that's what he's trying to say, and and you know he does make make a bit of a good point there. Right on, man. Fucking around and getting your Bob Vila on over here. That's awesome. Yeah, I I uh, well, I bought a house <laughs> like a year ago. I bought a house a year ago, and it's it's by no means like a fixer upper, but um, you know, like it's just the kind of thing where like, hey, um, I could pay somebody thousands and thousands of dollars to like come over and fuck it up or I could just fuck it up myself. So, you yep. know, so uh, I'll just watch some YouTube videos and fuck it up myself and I've become pretty good at fucking it up, you know? There you go, man. I'm in the same boat so you don't have to tell me about to put a new floor in in our living room and, man, I am just dreading doing that shit. But I'm looking forward to it being done. But I'm just yeah. like, fuck, man. Yeah, no. Not I looking forward to doing that. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, flooring's not too hard. Yeah. It's uh one of those things, man. Um well I uh I promised a friend of mine, uh, it was a funny thing that ended up happening today. Or no, it was yesterday. Uh a friend of mine that loves Silverstein texts me that he texts me a picture of his uh tickets. He just got his tickets to the show and you guys are gonna be here in March. And um, he, it was just like out of the blue. I hadn't talked to this guy in man probably a couple months. And he's just like, "Hey, look who I got!" And I'm just like, "Man, that's crazy!" Like, guess who I'm talking to tomorrow? <laughs> he was like, "What?" Yeah, and that's so it blew his mind, and he was just gutted. I told him he could come down if he wanted and like sit in on, sit in uh, for it, but uh, it wasn't, he wasn't able to. But uh, he asked me if I could ask you something, and so yeah, I, sure. I was like, "Dude, you know what? I'll make it. I'll make it happen for you." And so it kind of goes along with with the touring, man. So I'm just going to read it verbatim what he sent me. He said, so uh, his name's Brendan, by the way. Uh, he said, so me as a concert goer, I prefer uh, to go to smaller venue shows because I feel like I'm part of the band and group of people, whereas larger arena type shows, I feel like I'm just another face in the crowd, mm -hmm. and it lacks a sort of intimate feeling that I get when I go to smaller shows at ballrooms and dive bars. As the front man of the group, which type of shows do you feel like you get the most out of? larger venues like arenas and festivals or smaller venues like ballrooms, dive bars, and music halls? It's a great question. I definitely know what he's saying. You know, I'm, I'm a fan of music too, and I go to shows all the time, and, you know, I, I, I did and I still do. So I, I totally, totally get what he's where he's coming from. And, you know, some of my favorite shows that I ever went to or played were, were shows that literally, like, we would set up on the floor, you know? Um, like super, super intimate, like they're not even a stage, let alone a barricade. Right. So I, I totally I'm with him on that. But, you know, I, I think like sometimes playing like those huge festivals, you know, like some of the ones we've done in like Germany when there's like, you know, some like we played some of that are like 80,000 people, like huge shows. Like there's nothing like that, man. Like going out and feeling like you're like queen, you know, playing, uh, playing at live eight or, or whatever like you know like those those shows are crazy and i wouldn't trade those uh you know for for club shows but i also wouldn't cl trade club shows for festival shows either you know once we've been in the 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 clubs like all winter long it's so great to get outside and do the festivals but then once like summer's over i'm pretty ready to uh to get back in the clubs again for the intimate <laughs> shows you know <laughs> It really yeah, is like like, like I wouldn't inside. I wouldn't really want to just pick one to do. Um, I don't have a preference really, except you know, definitely when we play club shows and we're playing like stuff that's a bit smaller, like we're going to, um, you know, in March. Uh, that's gonna be 
um, you know, our fans there, we're playing a really long set. Like we're celebrating 20 years. So for us, that's going to be like a way more, um, you know, special, uh, thing, you know, for us than, than it would be, uh, you know, just like a festival where we play for 30 minutes to, and half the crowd doesn't know who the fuck we are, you know? So I, I'm, I'm kind of with them. Yeah, no, I got it. I mean, there's like, there's an appeal for both, for both sides. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think I, I see that Four Year Strong is opening for you guys. Yeah, yeah, great. Band. That is insane. I love Four Year Strong. Yeah, they're um, they're a well great band. And uh, I the Mighty too is on that. And I the Mighty are an incredible band. So nice. it's, it's yeah, a really yeah, good, right. really really exciting uh, lineup we have we put together. So we're we're we couldn't be happier. Yeah, man. Uh, thanks for ander- answering Brendan's questions. The first time I've ever taken a write-in question. Oh no, that's cool. And that's so cool. <laughs> thanks for it's a it's a. You know, show of first, it makes me think of um, when you had Will on your show, uh, Will from Cartel, and you're like, it's the lightning round that I just made up. We don't do this. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that made me laugh uh, so hard. Like, all right, like, wow. it's time for the lightning round. And he was like, okay. <laughs> and I was like, I'm just kidding. He's like, all right. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> I forgot um, about that. Shameless plug for one of my favorite episodes because that was just so interesting to hear about the whole band in the bubble. I thing know. I was yeah. Like, what? Yeah, yeah, totally. That was wild, man. Well, uh, Shane, I appreciate your time, man. Um, thanks for coming through and you know chatting with me about all this. Uh, why don't you tell people where they can follow your podcast, follow, you know, keep up with the tour, uh, find the new album, and all that good stuff. Absolutely, uh, leadsingersyndrome.com, or you can search Lead Singer Syndrome um, on any podcast uh, app or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, and then for Silverstein, just uh, uh, well, feel free to actually to check out Silverstein Twenty, Silverstein Two Zero. That's got all the information about uh, our upcoming stuff we're doing. And they can follow me, too. It's at Shane Told on on everything if they want to follow my my social media. Well, yeah, as always, guys, you can follow us on social media. That's Tunes Tunes Podcast, T-U-N-E-S slash T-O-O-N-S. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks again, Shane. Thank you, Harold, man. All the best. Have a good night.